welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and we are here to talk about tips and strategies that you can employ to deepen your faith, improve your relationships, and just get the most out of your life. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Welcome back to the program. Today, we're going to talk about your three circles. I want to see if I can get you to visualize these. If you're able to do that, I think you will get a lot out of what we're going to talk about today. Imagine a target, like maybe for a bow and arrow, or perhaps like the actual symbol for the target superstore. Can you imagine that? You have a circle in the middle, and then a larger circle around it, and then a third circle around that. If you can imagine that, then I have some things to talk to you about today. These circles represent the way you choose to process uncomfortable or tempting or negative thoughts that come into your head. It would be nice if I could tell you that there was some secret to never feel any of those things. Never have a negative thought, never feel defeated, never crave instant gratification, even if you know it's not the best thing for you, but I can't tell you that. You will live your entire life having to deal with or process negative or tempting or troubling thoughts. Some of that comes by virtue of what happens around you, what people say to you, how other people behave. But I really need you to understand this early on today. Your journey in excelling, in actually going out and doing great things, in building life-changing habits in restoring and excelling in relationships, all of those outward things you will do will only happen consistently and over the long term if you first learn how to process negative energy or thoughts inside of you. I've seen it in my life over and over. I've got a great thing going. I'm making all these great strides in my marriage. I'm running three days a week. Everything is right where it ought to be. And then I get some little tempting negative thought inside of me. And maybe I don't deal with that very well. I don't process it well. And before you know it, I'm having a bad day. Maybe two or three days have gone by and I haven't done anything to make my marriage better. Well, I think that there is a way we can approach this. Not only to keep those thoughts from derailing you, But if you deal with them the right way, they actually could be an agent for great growth because you're going to feel really good about yourself when you started with a negative thought and you were able to produce a positive outcome. Okay, you're probably saying, Chris, just get on with it. Tell me what's in the three circles. And we're going to get there. But I need to walk you through a couple of minutes of what has happened this year that has brought this particular podcast episode about. It started in January when one of the young men at our church on a Wednesday night came forward to repent of some sin in his life. He sought forgiveness, we prayed for him, we sought to encourage him. Three weeks later, he offered an invitation, a short little sermonette on a Wednesday night. He opened his Bible to Proverbs chapter 23, and he read about the dangers and the sins of alcohol. He confessed to us that that is what he had been fighting for some time now, that he knew it was wrong and he found himself doing it anyway. 
It was a very emotional night. He did an excellent job, showed a ton of courage. And so as the next couple of weeks went by and I was talking to him, I started wondering what makes young Christians do things they know aren't right? Why do young people drink when they know that it is sinful and dangerous? So I started a little research here, and you don't have to list these things or write them down or remember them, but I found about six or seven different triggers, internal mental triggers that led to alcohol, parties, addiction, etc. Here is that list. Number one, fitting in with others. Maybe you have friends who drink, who do things like that, and every once in a while, even though you're a Christian, you just want to fit in with them. Number two is, I want to be socially normal. The television shows us that all teenagers drink and cuss and act immorally, and sometimes I just want to be like the world around me. Number three, escape problems. Nobody likes to have problems. Maybe he's stressed out over what's going on in his life or some things that haven't gone right, and he just wants to get away from it for a little while. Number four is counter-boredom. I'm just bored. I feel like my life has no excitement, no joy. Number five, express rebellion. Sometimes we just get tired of following the rules. Just want to take a night off and go experience how the rest of the world lives. Number six is get instant reward. We know as Christians that we live for the grand outcome of heaven, and it takes self-denial and discipline but sometimes you just want to feel better right now. And then lastly, ignite self-confidence. Maybe he feels like his spirit is somehow trapped within his body and can't be expressed in a way that others do, and so alcohol or drugs or some other avenue can unleash that. Now listen, it's not important that you remember all those, and you may have a little list of internal struggles of your own. The point is, those aren't really that bad of things. I mean, I think All of us feel those things sometimes. They are internal, sometimes negative, sometimes tempting thoughts that we all have. So I started to wonder, especially in Christian young people, how are they making the leap from, I'd like to fit in with others, to getting drunk at a party? How are they getting from, I'm bored, to, I think I'll go see what it's like to be drunk? It seems like a big jump to me. And by the way, and now's a good time to do this, this is not just a podcast for young people fighting drinking problems. A better question than why do young people drink is why do godly people do bad things at all? Many of us end up falling victim to sins we never intended to commit, to laziness, to failure, to worldliness. And when you track back what got that started... It's really mild, fixable, internal, negative thoughts that don't get dealt with properly. So let me show you how this works on the wrong side of things, and then we will finish the podcast with a simple system of thought that I'm just telling you can help you control all of that negative emotion and create a positive outcome. But here's what happens when it goes wrong. Can you imagine those three circles I talked about? When someone feels anything inside of them they don't like, all they have to do first is right in the middle of that center circle, see the letter Y, as in yourself. 
You need to focus entirely on yourself, what you want, what you deserve, what will make you feel better. If you're bored, you need to go out and do something that you want to do. If you want to be socially normal, you deserve to be socially normal at least every once in a while. If you don't like the way someone's treating you, then you need to make that right and you deserve respect and you deserve to get what you want and it's time to rebel against whatever standard that would stop you. So when I feel something that I don't particularly enjoy and my first inner circle decision is to focus on me and what I want and what makes me feel better, I'm going to start coming up with very dumb ideas. Ideas that usually Christians wouldn't come up with on what to do next. Now here's where it gets amplified. In the second circle, I want you to imagine there's a letter written in the second circle, and the letter is an O. Now I reach out to others, but not others who are godly, not others who are wise. I want to find others who amplify what I want for myself. So I'm going to surround myself with friends who say, you know what, Chris? You do deserve to go out and have a little bit of excitement. You're a very disciplined guy. You do deserve to go get a little instant reward. I'm going to, in that second circle, go find people who amplify the bad ideas I've had about myself. Now, if you're a person of the world, that's probably enough to go out and do things that aren't going to end very well. But as Christians, we've got to figure God into this somewhere. We cannot just ignore the presence of Jesus. But here's what happens. Once I've put all of the focus on myself, and then I found others who told me that's totally cool, I will put Jesus in the mix, but he belongs in the outer circle. So there's a Y in the middle for yourself, an O for others, and then Jesus is tagged on the end. But by then, I start to come up with really weird ideas like, Jesus will understand, or Jesus will forgive me for this, or Jesus will be patient and he knows one day I'll do better. And I'm sure you understand that pretty much all of those phrases were made erroneously. But that's what happens. I start with just a little bit of negative energy, having a bad day, think something a bit self-defeating, something I don't like that's happened. I decide to focus on what I want to make it better. I find others who encourage me to do that. And then I almost tag Jesus on the end as an ally for bad behavior. Have you ever done this, worked in this way? It's not just about kids and alcohol. It's about all of us. Maybe someone who's listened to this program and they want to excel in their faith. They want to become better Christians, more faithful worshipers, more involved with their family. And instead, just the same old stuff keeps happening. I'm telling you, Y-O-J, which may stand for years of jail, is the reason. Let me just say this to you, and please listen carefully. If you are waiting not to feel internal temptations and struggle to go out and live an exceptional life, you will never actually get to live an exceptional life. Oh, you may end up doing some things that you want to do, and making yourself feel better because you served your own self-interest. But you and I both know that the Excel Still More life is not about me getting everything that I want and doing everything that makes me happy. The Excel Still More life is about using the life God has given me to the glorification of His name in a march towards heaven 
bringing as many people with me as possible. And Y-O-J just isn't going to get it done. But we can flip the script on this. In fact, this is the part I'm really excited to tell you about. I saw this change in that young man. And I talked to that same young man that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. I talked to him just two weeks ago, six months after he confessed his problem. And I asked him how he was doing. But I have to tell you, I already knew what he was going to say because I had seen a difference in the way he dealt with issues in his life. Here we go. Are you ready? Visualize those three circles again. Right there in the middle, I want you to see a big, bold letter J. The first thing we've got to do is take myself or yourself out of the middle and put Jesus there. Whenever you feel like you want to go and fit in with other people around you, you think about Jesus. Think about the fact that he's in the room with you. Think about the fact that he gave his life for you. Think about the fact that he is coming back in a triumphant way to rescue you. Think about the life that he lived and the sacrifices that he made. When you start feeling this desire to be socially normal, you first and foremost remember how socially abnormal Jesus was and how much God blessed him for his life. When you want to escape your problems, you remember how Jesus dealt with his problems how prayerful he was, how God-centered he was. When you're bored, you think about what Jesus would have you do. What a great reward it is to have some free time to consider what your king would be pleased by. When you get ready to express some rebellion, you look to your left and you see Jesus staring you right in the eyes, knowing that he gave everything to rescue you. All of these feelings are coming. It's a part of life. The question is, are you disciplined enough to say, this is not about me? Firstly and always, it's about, what am I going to do with this that considers Jesus? Then, the second circle actually has the same letter in it. It's an O again, except it's a very different collection of people. In the first example, you found others who amplified your vision for yourself. Now, in this case, when you're feeling down or tempted or troubled, you go and find other people who amplify the message of Jesus, who love Jesus in the same way you love Jesus, who know that he is present and seek to serve him like you're seeking to serve him. Call up a Christian when you're struggling. If you can't shake it and you start to see these negative thoughts affecting your relationships and your faith, Go sit down with a leader in your church and lay that before them and ask for their help. I'm just here to tell you, in the world, if someone considers themselves and then goes and finds others who amplify that, they're almost sunk every time. But the opposite is true. If your first consideration is what does Jesus see and what would Jesus do, and you go out and find other people who will help you understand that, well, the Bible's pretty clear on that you will excel in your faith. You will become better than you've ever been before, and God will be pleased. And then, of course, as an extension of that, the last letter, the last circle, is Y, as in yourself. I mean, remember, this is still going on inside of you. 
you still have to decide, this is how I feel, what am I going to do about that? So you can't take yourself out of the equation. But imagine this. You spent time in prayer and study and thought about Jesus. You text or called or visited with a Christian about your problems. And now, when it's time for you to decide what you're going to do next, what are the chances it will be something foolish? Not very high. Chances are you will see with the greatest clarity in your life exactly what will please God and you will have great support for doing it. Let me just say this again. Excelling in your faith, in your worship, in your service of others, excelling in your marriage, in parenting, and in shining in this world does not require that all troubling and negative internal thoughts dissipate. It does not require that. In fact, they're just not going to do that. What it requires is the right kind of internal processing of that emotion. And in fact, you may end up taking something like igniting self-confidence, which was on our original list, and instead of going out and doing something you regret, by the time you process that correctly, you're probably going to go out and ignite your self-confidence in the most amazing way possible through the service of people who need you. Look, I know this last little bit's going to sound weird, because everybody wants to think positive, hopeful, internal things. But I'm getting to the point where even some negative idea or tinge inside of me excites me a little bit. Because if I know how to go about dealing with it, chances are I will not only squash it, but I will turn it into good behavior. Oh, and by the way, I know that Y-O-J, Yaj, just doesn't roll off the tongue. But something tells me J-O-Y just might. So if you're looking to make the most out of your day, no matter what, put those letters in that order in your three circles. Thank you so much for listening today. We encourage you to check out the website, excelstillmore.life, where you can subscribe to emails, order the three-month journal, or check out past episodes. As always, please consider sharing this with people in your life who you think we can help. And whatever you do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.